Welcome to the Holistic Way podcast. I'm your host, Nikki, aka Dominique, founder of the Holistic Way, holistic life coach, and yoga teacher. I hope you'll join me weekly as we discuss holistic approaches, fresh perspectives, and non negotiable self compassion. Understanding is empowering, and self kindness is the new sexy. It is my mission to introduce to you new ways to work with your mind, body, and emotions rather than against them to create long-term results with more ease and fun. Hi, gorgeous listeners. I'm so happy to have you back for the second part of the podcast with Rachel Evans. We are going to dive right in, have fun listening. Um, in terms of like what our ancestors eat, ate. So, you know, people who ca- whose ancestors came from the coast are probably going to do better eating more fish and stuff like that. Um, you know, then maybe people's ancestors who ate more vegetarian, vegan type food are going to do really well on that. And we obviously don't know what our ancestors' ancestors ate. We can just try and get in tune with our body and what feels good rather than this person on the internet said you should eat this and this is good and this is bad. Yeah, that's so interesting. I actually had a naturopath once who said our um, blood type was linked to what our body does better um, with eating. And I didn't know that, but apparently it's linked. And I don't know if there's any science or any proof behind that. But I was going to say, I don't know how much evidence that is. I guess my approach to stuff like that now is if you're going to have that as such a prescriptive, like my blood type is this, I can only eat things on this list. And I'm going to be scared of those other things on that list because they're not for me. Then that's not, you're trying to do it to be healthy, but it's what we said in the beginning, actually, are you achieving health? Yeah, absolutely. But if you're like, oh, actually, do you know what? Isn't it funny that the list of foods that my body, the diet says my body, it's going to feel better in. I actually do feel better if I eat those all but yeah because I did a food intolerance test thing I can't remember if you sent your saliva or stuff I don't know how um accurate or good that actually was <laughs> either but then it was like it said something like I shouldn't eat bananas and almonds or something but I felt fine eating those but then I avoided them for ages because this testing told me that I shouldn't have them which doesn't make sense to me yeah, absolutely. And I think in the end, we we really need to listen to what our body says. And I think when you have um, battled with an eating disorder, it's sometimes difficult because you mix the signals of your body with the ones from your mind or your even subconscious mind. Um, but yeah, I always feel like it comes back down to what do you feel? I once had a client, she, she went to a diet is that the name and um she told her she had to have breakfast like this was her one rule and she came to me every week and she was like I can't eat that breakfast like it makes me want to throw up it makes me feel bad it felt makes me feel horrible and I kept saying like look if it makes you feel so bad just stop doing it I know she said it to you um but it's not worth it if you feel so bad doing that having breakfast then then I believe there's a reason your body doesn't want to eat in the morning or does it just wants to eat something light or maybe just I don't know um liquid food like a smoothie like just listen to your body and I think this is 
key, I think, in every diet. Like you said, the, the diets, if it creates restrictions and it creates this kind of restrictive pattern that can be, I don't know if the word dangerous is the right word, but it can be tricky. But if you allow yourself some balance in what you eat, yeah, that it might be healthier, unless you have, I, I guess, a, a food allergy or, oh, yeah. or something. Like that. <laughs> then obviously we're not <laughs> applying yeah. those rules. But can I just come back on that point as well? Yes, okay. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, just about the breakfast thing and. I guess what you said before that about like I think can be difficult to listen to your body we hear all this about intuitive eating and I don't think that's the first step after having an eating disorder I think there's a lot that happens in the middle to get to that point if that's where you want to get to actually some of my clients have decided they don't really want to get there they like having a structure to eat so that's what they're just going to carry on doing and probably in time after they finish working with me because they're not going to work with me forever they might get more flexible about that but they're happy with a certain other point um so yeah just to say this it's not like oh click now are you intuitively now I listen to Absolutely. my body but actually even with intuitive eating that's a lots of gray area and flexibility mm-hmm. even within that um but yeah on the breakfast point I do often have clients that come to me and they don't eat breakfast and they say I'm not a breakfast person which like you said if they feel ill because they're having breakfast like okay um but often it is because they've read like oh fast overnight or something and then if I explore with them okay so how you're feeling in the morning when you don't have breakfast like they don't really have a lot of energy or they're thinking about food all morning then I might I never make anyone do anything but we might talk about oh well the benefits of having breakfast might be this uh like more energy (laughs) you're not thinking about food and I suppose they might come back to me and say oh but I feel guilty and then that's something else that we'll work on but I think it's working out actually how much is it genuinely that you are not a breakfast person and how much is it like rules or other stuff that you think and actually a lot of my clients then do go to eating breakfast whether that be like you say a smoothie or something light or something more substantial and then we also say like if you wake up one day and you're just not in the mood, okay, don't have breakfast on that. It's like very individual and also depending on the stage of recovery that they're at. I've had some clients who say, actually, I didn't fancy breakfast, but for me, it was really important to have it anyway to challenge the eating disorder on that day. So there's not a right or wrong. absolutely I I realize even more how layered it is and I think what's tricky I don't not that I don't work with people with eating disorders but I just work in general with clients that want to have a healthier body but the fact that it's sometimes so hard for us as humans to be honest with ourselves because the subconscious there's so much more going on like you said are you not a breakfast person or is it because you read somewhere that it was unhealthy? And I think this is where it it gets even tricky for us as patients, but us as you know counselors or, or coaches or, or or psychologists to actually uncover like what why is that? How honest are you with yourself? Not saying that they're lying, but it's difficult to know 
why whether like I don't even know sometimes why I do things like what's the reason behind like am I being honest with myself or is there like a a fear-based reason or is it really because this is who I am and I think that adds another layer of of trickiness to to the whole subject yeah I think what's more tricky as well is on some days like maybe you might want a smoothie for breakfast or that would be I don't don't want to say the best option but like you know your body would feel really good on that one day and then another day it wouldn't feel really great on that and actually toast and peanut butter or something might be a good option or like for me (laughs) now I think with the intuitive eating and just um health overall definition I'm eating a lot of cereal because I've got a baby it's really quick and easy to do actually made overnight oats the other day because I was like okay right let's because if I eat cereal then I go hungry (laughs) (laughs) so on one hand it's like I don't want to say good in terms of good and bad but convenient sensible option because my baby's at that stage when um he's like crawling and pulling himself up on stuff he's got loads better at crawling uh recently but I can't just leave him anymore just to make my breakfast um I could leave him in the bouncer or his playpen but then he gets a bit upset after a bit I'm like what was my point now I suppose just we have lots of other reasons for eating and like you said there's so many layers and different things about it I forgot my point but take something away. <laughs> no it makes sense that's very interesting yeah it's just it's so multi-layered that makes it fun and complex at the same time I feel yeah I think maybe my point was um, something else that I was thinking about when you were talking before. Um, Like the way I approach it with my clients is, well, can we experiment about this? You know, say if they're like, okay, I'm going to have breakfast every day this week and see if I feel any different than before. I'm going to switch up and have some eggs for breakfast and see how I feel. Okay, because what works for you now, what's working for me now with my baby at this stage isn't what's going to work at another stage. Mm-hmm. And I think it's being willing to change that. I think sometimes with eating sort of like we have all these rules, but we add more rules on top of those rules and more rules on top of those. And then they kind of conflict and then it ends up like feeling you can't eat anything rather than being more flexible and kind of changing as stuff in your life changes. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to ask you um, in this next part, maybe first talking a little bit about people that might have an eating disorders. And then in a second step also about people that know someone, because I think that is also a very interesting and important message or discussion to have. But first, when you see someone with an eating disorder or someone that is your client, what is your approach? What would you recommend to... Um, someone that suspects has an eating disorders or maybe was diagnosed what is a message you'd like to share something you advocate every day yeah um (laughs) it's a big question I agree and I know (laughs) I suppose the first thing I was thinking when you were talking was what you were saying before about being honest with yourself like is this really working for me Um, Because I think like deep down, you often know, like, you know, I was saying at the beginning when I was living in Singapore, I kind of thought I didn't have a problem. But then also I went to a restaurant and was crying because the food wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. So I kind of knew that wasn't okay as well. So I think trying to be honest with yourself and something I talk a lot to clients about is like, um, 
trying to remove that shame and judgment because I think there still is a lot of taboo about eating disorders, maybe less so about restrictive eating disorders, which are sometimes like glamorized of, oh, she's so thin, but especially um, like binge eating or bulimia and stuff, people can often feel, yeah, just like there's a lot of stigma and they don't want to talk about it or admit that thing. And some of the work that I do with clients in various activities in various ways is looking like, okay, what's happened to get you to this point? So I kind of shared some of my stuff. There's probably more that I didn't share because of time. And I don't want to bore you. It's like looking at those experiences that you've had probably makes sense why you've ended up where you are now. So it could have been stuff that we haven't talked about, like uh, maybe bullying about your weight and shape, or like parents putting you on a diet, um, just diet culture messages in general, thinking that you need to change your body. Um, could sometimes be um, sometimes when people have been ill, um, like poorly and lost a lot of weight, and um, that can affect their relationship with food. So there's so many things, and looking like if other people went through those things, they might end up where you are as well. Or you know if it's a coping mechanism for like trauma, whether that's a big T or a little T, maybe if it wasn't the eating disorder to try and control emotions or numb or feel better, or you know the other reasons maybe the person might have turned to alcohol or drugs or something else if they didn't know how to cope because I think often we're not taught healthy coping mechanisms growing up um at school or by parents I think just because it's not been traditional to do that um now I'm like oh explicitly remember to do that with my kids (laughs) whether I will (laughs) or not is another thing but um do you know even all those just old messages like oh children should be seen and not heard I guess for the boys, it's like, oh, what is the one about don't cry because you're a boy or some phrase around that? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, don't, don't cry, cry like a girl or, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So absolutely, think, which is horrible. How how would we know how to regulate ourselves sometimes if we've not been told and our environment growing up has been very dysregulating? You use food because that's what you had available. So I think sometimes understanding that piece can be really helpful. and. Um, you know just help bring that self-compassion so someone could start um I'll say healing it sounds a bit cheesy but you know start recovery um and then also kind of helps with people to get angry at the eating disorder um because uh, I'll just try and talk about this quite quickly but the activity that I said I did sort of with the NHS that was really helpful um, I've got an ebook that kind of walks people through this in a slightly different way, but it's looking like what are the pros and cons of the eating disorder and what are the pros and cons of changing? Um, because often, I guess before people realise, oh, I've got an eating disorder, they can really only see the benefits. They think, oh, this is making me thin or this is making me happier and I won't be happy if I gain weight or I'm a good person because I eat like this. Um, but I think looking at like I'm like have I just like counteracted my own point yeah so I think people can see some of the positives but maybe not all of the positives and there's some positives that that I guess that's what's keeping people stuck so I was talking about oh the avoidance for me or like if you don't have certain skills and the eating disorder is helping you cope in some ways um but then I think looking at the cons which is often what other people can see for us, like the negatives, what is this taking away from your life? What are you missing out on? That even might be just having a nice birthday. I know when I had an eating disorder, I didn't want to have cake because that was firmly in the don't have it category. But now I'm like, actually, do you know what? It's quite nice 
to have some candles and everyone sing happy birthday and like have that whole experience and not have to stress out about people thinking I should eat some cake um and also all those other cons that we mentioned about work relationships school blah 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 and thinking about like what are you worried about losing if you were to change um so that might be like oh I don't know how I'd cope with gaining weight like these are obviously the things that you need to work on if you're gonna um change so I think look sometimes looking at activity and putting on paper is what my clients say is really important because it's like sometimes I guess this is what people actually say when it's in your head you can kind of conveniently forget that some of the cons exist (laughs) like they're not present that all the time every day so you can just kind of be oh no I'm happy I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine but actually if you put down on paper all the ways like we said that you're missing out on stuff or you know it's affecting your health um you almost can't hide from it then um, and then also with the activity looking what are the pros of change so that might be like um say you really want to go traveling and it's going to be so much well I think it would be so much easier if you could just be flexible about what you're eating because there's not always going to be the perfect food available like I would sometimes walk for like an hour to get to somewhere that would give me the food that I needed which we're not always going to have that hour and it's not practical and wasn't actually enjoyable for me Mm -hmm. to do that so you know is it that you want to go traveling do you want to have a family and actually maybe this eating disorder is affecting your fertility what would it be like to have that family what feelings would you get um so trying to build up that positive picture as well, which is what I do um, with clients through hypnotherapy too. So yeah, I think just finding that motivation for yourself and just to say that motivation is not the be all and end all. Like you don't have to be the most motivated person in recovery ever, but you do need to make consistent steps and take action. But I think having that motivation to come back to if you feel like you're having a bad day and you don't want to, you know, take those actions that you maybe know you should if you want to recover, having that really important thing, often my clients find one or two things, whether that is they realise it's affecting a really important relationship and that's what they care about more than not eating a certain food um, or career or whatever it is. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it's very interesting because it's, again, multi-layered, I feel. And like you said, questioning why you do the things. I always say to my clients, like understanding why you do have a certain behavior and it can be in relationship with eating or anything else. Understanding why you do it will give you so much more compassion, especially when you are so guilt and shame ridden when you understand why you do it can you really be that upset at yourself still so looking it at from that angle and understanding where it comes from and then also questioning well okay what is the positives I think I'm getting from it um but also what's the negative like how much does it affect my life and I guess finding a purpose that's bigger, whether, you know, like you said, maybe a relationship, um, someone might want to be a parent um, more than anything else, and maybe it's affecting your um, fertility, like finding this kind of key element 
which I don't think is going to give you motivation to keep going all the way because sometimes the behavior is so subconscious that it's tricky but like when you have that conscious moment of being like no I remember why I'm doing this why I'm doing the hard work of of um recovery is still gonna be helpful yeah I think that's a really good point yeah it's not to say that you're like oh I'm so motivated I'll just do everything that I want to do like my PhD was about people don't act on their intentions Mm-hmm. Uh, we say we're going to do something and then we don't it's quite normal <laughs> to me that I was looking at other factors that influence it like habits um I was also looking at self-control which this wasn't uh, with people who had an eating disorder it was just sort of in general uh, does self-control affect what we eat um and I did a meta-analysis which I didn't publish because it was too stressful <laughs> I probably should have done and there was a significant relationship, but it was like so teeny tiny that I actually, it's statistically significant. But I thought in terms of like the emphasis that people place on like be, like willpower and stuff, it's actually very small in terms of getting us to our goals. There's lots of other pieces, like you say, um, you know, our habits, also our subconscious reasons for doing stuff. And like, I think as well, there's never just one reason why we've done something so then it can get more complicated so I think it's like coming to an understanding that works for you and also kind of learning the skill of not beating yourself up if stuff doesn't go to plan you might say this a lot um, with clients as well um, about learning from experiences Um, I think that's really crucial for recovery because I don't I've had a couple of clients who did just stop binging and purging after a hypnotherapy session uh, because of what came up. But it doesn't mean that everything ever was rosy for them. Do you know, they had body image stuff going on, like it wasn't all perfect. But most people in recovery are going to have a lapse. They're going to, you know, have another binge or they're going to have a moment that they start restricting again. And sometimes you don't realise you've done it. And then, like you say, it's like when you do realise what's happening how can you look at that situation see what happened what could you change next time what could you learn from it I think it's that skill and almost like developing that different self-talk around it um which doesn't happen (laughs) yeah and I think it goes back to self-compassion you mentioned as well you're gonna go you're gonna be back on track quote quotation mark um if you are your best friend or your cheerleader rather than if you're um, calling yourself names and blaming yourself. So I, my listeners must be like, she's always talking about self-compassion, but it is really the, like in everything, whatever the topic, self-compassion is always for me, the one key I see is going to help you in whatever area of your life it is, even in a, a needing disorder recovery so that's a very interesting point and I think very good for the listeners if there's someone that suspects or maybe knows they have a an eating disorders trying to focus on self-compassion through understanding why you are the way you are and why you have those behaviors and and those um compulsive habits I'd like to talk a little bit about the the other side of it like kind of this we mentioned it before um maybe some of the listeners or even me have someone 
in our life, whether it's a friend, a partner, family member that is struggling with an eating disorder, maybe diagnosed, maybe not yet. Um, I know we can make it worse even without having bad intentions. How, what would you recommend to someone? How would you support someone or how can you support someone best? Yeah, I do struggle with this question because I know everyone is so different and relationships are so different and things. So I'll just try and kind of say an overview of things and kind of take what you can. Um, I think it's really helpful, obviously, done this thing, which is going to be the first step. I was going to say educating yourself about what are eating disorders. Um, and like almost there's quite a lot of posts online about like myth busting and things. I think people often have a lot of assumptions. Um, oh, they're, they're doing it on purpose. It's just for attention, which is not the case so I think looking at your own assumptions or um like kind of understanding more about what is it that this person's struggling with and obviously like the information that you find online and stuff it's not going to be a perfect fit um for your friend or your loved one is going through but it could just help you understand a bit more and then I guess trying to have that understanding and that compassion for the person which I think can be really hard if you see someone doing something and you know this is so damaging for them why are they still doing this like you're really worried about their health and they just don't seem to be getting it at all um and I'll actually just share another story on this point if that's okay yes Um, of course that I had this really interesting experience um so my friend had anorexia when we were doing our undergrad when I didn't have an eating disorder at that point um but I was on and off various diets I was that person was, oh I'll lose weight for this event and then I would go back to like eating normally quote unquote afterwards um so I didn't have the best relationship with food but it wasn't awful and I decided like my food rules were going to be like eating brown bread and stuff like that because I thought that was healthier but I could be flexible um and I went to our house and she made us this tuna sandwich on white bread and so I had this little voice in my head I was like oh I prefer brown but okay you know I'm gonna eat this because I need to show her that we need to eat um so I was eating my sandwich and then she didn't touch her sandwich and I was like oh god this is really awkward I just said to her like I can't remember how I phrased it but essentially like why aren't you eating your sandwich and she said it's because I've got to have dinner later and at the time I was like well what like yes because we have breakfast lunch and dinner like why wouldn't you eat the sandwich but then when I was struggling that made perfect sense to me I wouldn't eat stuff now in case I might eat it later, even if I didn't, or in case I might eat it later in the week. Um, or I'd only have a certain amount of calories that I would let myself eat per day and stuff. So it made, I, I don't know at what point, at some point I just had this real, like, oh my gosh, what she said makes perfect sense to me now. And it didn't before. It's almost like your brain changes. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of things that seem illogical to other people, but it makes sense in like the eating disorder and the rules and all of the things that go along with it um so like the person is not trying to be annoying or trying to be um can't think of the words awkward about stuff this stuff does genuinely make sense and the person might feel incredibly scared to eat that food even if it doesn't even if you're like but you used to eat that two years ago just eat it um like part of the reason my podcast is called like just eat normally is because friends and family can be like well can you not just eat normally well, no, because there's so much involved in that 
for the person. Um, so I think it's kind of, if the person is quite self-aware of what's happening, trying to help them to help you understand what's going on or what the reasons are. My parents said actually when I did start talking to them more about it, I actually start like... <laughs> I was going to say I started to get better. This was the time that I wasn't really better because I still had bulimia, but I did eat a lot more foods. <laughs> and in, in lots of ways, my life was a lot better, but it wasn't totally recovered. Um, but from where it was, that was a big change. Um, and I think because they could also help me with situations as well, you know, they were more willing because they understood a lot more, even if it didn't make sense to them, that we could kind of work together on it. So I think if you can talking to the person um I'll find it for you I've got posts or a podcast somewhere about um like negotiating because I think as much as it might be nice so it's just been Christmas so I use this as the example because my post is about Christmas of like well can you not just sit down with the family and have like the full Christmas dinner you know you're making your grandma upset that was something that happened to me. <laughs> I mean, my grandma because I wasn't doing the right stuff. And my dad was like, my dad said, my grandma, do not say anything to Rachel about food, like because I'm just going to go off on one um, and be really upset about it. This, you know, um, but is there some kind of compromise, middle ground that you can find that maybe would work for both of you in this situation? Because obviously. The person that's trying to support someone else has their own needs as well which I guess it's kind of a separate point um some of my um clients sort of family like maybe I don't work with kids anymore but when I did their parents would have kind of therapy or support for supporting their child because it is really draining especially um you know some of the children weren't really ill like we were really worried about them um again one of them I think possibly should have been an impatient because because of services and lack of services they couldn't be um so do you know how how can you care for yourself as well so you can help care for this other person and I think it is probably really hard if it feels like it just keeps getting thrown back in your face but I think it's just having that hope that something might get through at some point or it's going to build up to the point that something shifts um obviously not everyone with an eating disorder recovers but I think there's you know a large proportion of people make way into recovery if not fully recover so I think trying to hold the hope for that person even when it seems difficult um I don't think that's everything ever. I think there's loads more I could say, but hopefully that's... <laughs> no, that's amazing. Would you say that as a friend, a family member, a partner, to still try to make that encourage, encouraging messages and like kind of like find a discussion? Like you said, yes, like talk to them, let them explain what's happening and how they're feeling. But would you still recommend that someone... I don't know if offers offering advice is the right thing, but like say something kind of um, of being like, hey, I don't know if this is a healthy behavior. Maybe someone that's not aware yet that they have an eating disorder to kind of mention it. Or is that something that's a bit tricky to do as a as a family member or someone close? I think it really depends on the relationship. And okay. the people. And so I don't think it's an ever like, oh, do this or don't do that. I think just I guess 
just trying to talk to the person about what they need because sometimes it might be like do you know for all the well-meaning advice the just you know it's like don't tell me what to do (laughs) I, I think positive things that you can do are like modeling a healthy relationship with food not talking about oh I need to go on a diet I need to lose weight oh that person's got fat like being careful in what you're saying around that person or if you can as I said like my dad did talk to other family members about okay we're not gonna you know be talking about diets and people's bodies and food in good and bad ways like it is just food and like try and eat a range of things like you say unless you're allergic or you know there's a (laughs) there's a specific reason like you don't like the texture or something um trying to model those yeah behaviors as well um I mean, obviously, if you are really worried about the person and they just seem totally oblivious, you're probably going to want to say mm-hmm. something. So I think it's just trying to think about your relationship and like if you've approached them in, with something in the past, what we were talking about before that learning from experiences, like how did it go? Was there anything you might do differently this time? Um, and then also I was thinking when you were talking about people would like different kinds of support I've had some clients who want their family to support them like right my goal this week is to eat this certain food can you help me do that we'll go out for brunch on Saturday and I'll have it then whereas other people kind of just want to be left to do it which I know can be difficult for family members because you've got to trust that it's happening um but I don't know if that answers the question. No, absolutely. I think it comes down to communication to either the person that has an eating disorder to try as much as possible to communicate how you feel. Um, And maybe the same for the family members, the partner, the um, sisters, brothers, whoever, to also kind of be able to express... um, maybe in some way their concerns but also how they feel like what do you need like what do I need like just communication in general I guess yeah I've had some feedback about my podcast and from people who are struggling um saying like it was really helpful for them to listen because they almost couldn't put into words what they were feeling or they didn't really know but then sometimes hearing someone else say you're like oh yeah that's me that makes a lot of sense so I think you know, those conversations can be difficult because sometimes people don't have the words and they can't communicate it. But then I think looking, okay, what resources are available, like we were saying before, to help me understand myself better or as a loved one to help me understand what might be going on for them better. Because sometimes I even say to clients, oh, sometimes my other clients say this to me, does that feel true for you? And sometimes we're like, oh gosh, yes. And sometimes I'll be like, no, not at all. No, it really doesn't capture it. But we haven't spoken about that issue before and I just want to see is there this thing that we just haven't said um about so yeah yeah that's interesting and it's so true sometimes you can't put words on things and listening to a resource or finding a resource whether it's your podcast or any other kind of resources I don't know how many are there are out there um might help you to be able to understand yourself and your feelings a bit better um, if you can't express them to someone that was an amazing talk thank you so much for everything before we end this podcast I'd like to give the listeners the chance to find you to um, 
get to know you, to ask you questions or even work with you? Where can they find you? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, my Instagram, which is probably what I go on um, the most, is rachel.evans.phd. And I, I, I haven't been creating as much content recently because I'm just not in that headspace to be doing it. But I do try and share every day, like uh, post from other people about recovery and stuff on my stories. So it's kind of, um, hopefully, you know, you might find more accounts to follow on there as well. Um, and then my website is eatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. And then, like we mentioned, my podcast is called Just Eat Normally. Amazing. I'm going to link that in the show notes so people can find you very easily. Thank you so, so much for this lovely talk. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day and that we'll see each other soon again. Thank you, beautiful soul, for being here with me this week. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and to follow me on Instagram at uniquely.nikki. See you next time.